everyone and welcome to Looking After Nature podcast. I'm Abby Sullivan and I'm a Countryside Access Development Officer with Hampshire Countryside Service. Today I'm joined by Catherine Bowler from Hampshire and Isla White Wildlife Trust and we'll be chatting about the wealth of wildlife we're lucky enough to have in our rivers. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Hi Abby and thanks for inviting me to be part of this podcast. Excellent, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Could you start off by telling us more about the Hampshire and Wildlife Trust, please, and your role? Yes, of course. So the Hampshire and Isle of Wight Wildlife Trust is a charity. We're one of 46 wildlife trusts across the UK who work to protect and restore nature. We work within local communities to inspire people about nature and to bring about positive change for wildlife. We also manage over 70 nature reserves. They're primarily for wildlife, but many are really popular with our visitors. So as an organisation, we're really fighting hard to make Hampshire a wilder and more nature-rich county. My specific role at the Trust is to deliver a heritage lottery-funded project, Watercress of Windsbournes. So this is a partnership project which we lead alongside our delivery partner, Wessex Rivers Trust. And it's aimed at bringing together local communities and a really wide range of organisations to protect, restore and celebrate the seven headwater chalk streams of the Test and the Itchin Rivers. Brilliant, thank you. Which fits in lovely with what we're going to talk about today, which is wildlife in our in our rivers. We are really lucky in Hampshire to have lots of rivers flowing through the county, but it is also home to a lot of nature as well and wildlife. We have approximately 85% of the world's chalk streams in England. Most of those are in in the southern counties of England. Luckily in Hampshire, we have several chalk streams, which include, as you've already mentioned, the River Itchin and the Test, as well as the Meon. Catherine, let's start with what are chalk rivers? So the clue is really in the name. Underlying chalk streams, there's a chalk bedrock, and that is a calcium-rich rock, which is formed from the remains of marine plankton from millions of years ago. The best way to think of chalk, I always think, is like a sponge. So it soaks up all of the rainfall and it holds it underground. But when the chalk can hold no more, it seeps back out again at the surface. And these are the beginnings of our chalk streams. Brilliant. So what makes chalk rivers so rare? So they are one of the rarest habitats on Earth. People think of them as being sort of England's Amazon rainforest, I suppose. There's only about 220 in the whole world. And as you say, we have over 85% of them here in England. There are a very small number in France and an even smaller number in Denmark too. But we do have the majority and some of the best and the most well-known in southern England. So we're really lucky. I mean, we think of them as being quite common here because we have a lot of them. But obviously, worldwide, they're really very rare. Why are they so important? So it's very much to do with the chalk that is underground here. So the waters in the chalk streams come up from these underground chalk aquifers and the water rises through the chalk. And because of this, when the water comes out, it's really rich in minerals and oxygen and it has a very constant temperature. And all of this makes them really ideal for all sorts of creatures to breed in and live, which is why they're so very great for wildlife. Which are the best chalk rivers? 
Oh, that's a really difficult one. Of course, I'm quite biased and I think we have the best here in Hampshire. The Test and the Itchin are two of the most iconic and well-known across the world for fly fishing. But the headwater chalk streams of these two rivers are also amazingly pretty and really alive with life. And the River Meon is also really lovely. Of course, I think if you ask people in Dorset, they'd probably disagree as they have some really great chalk streams there too. Yeah, precisely. I'm also very biased and, and the River Itchin is uh, is one of the top ones for me. But <laughs> are these rivers tidal at all? So not all rivers are tidal, only a few. And this is really usually only the case in the mouths of rivers where they meet the sea. Obviously, they get affected by the tide. So the levels there in the river rise and fall with the tide. Chalk streams, as you've already said, are the natural habitat for, for many unique species. Could you tell us a bit about what wildlife we might hope to see in Hampshire's rivers? So they're really rich in wildlife, so you can see a really wide range. But waterfalls are one of my own favourites. I grew up with Wind in the Willows as one of my favourite books, and Ratty as being my favourite character from that. Um, he was a bit misnamed, actually, because Ratty was actually a waterfall, not a rat. <laughs> But it is something that confuses quite a lot of people because obviously you can see both water voles and rats around the rivers. Water voles are generally much rounder looking. They have a sort of deep brown fur. They have much shorter ears, so you can't always see them. And the ears are within the fur. And unlike rats, their tails, ears and their paws are all covered with hair. And they have much flatter, rounder noses as well. Unfortunately, water voles are really under threat. They're actually one of the UK's fastest declining mammals. And this is mainly due to habitat loss and also predation by the American mink, which was actually, you know, brought over decades ago, but is still causing havoc in our countryside. But having said that, you can still see water voles on many of our chalk streams in Hampshire. And in particular, we get lots of sightings from local communities um, on the Upper Test, so through Whitchurch and Overton, and on Anton Lakes in Andover as well is a really sort of popular area for people to see them. Other things that you might see on the on the rivers are otters, again, a favourite of mine. They were really pushed to the brink of extinction decades ago by habitat destruction and hunting and pesticides. But huge conservation efforts led by organisations such as the Wildlife Trust have meant that numbers are now much stronger. And they're actually present on pretty much all of our chalk streams now, which is great. We, again, get sent some really great video footage of them from our local rivers so we know that they're really active on the Itchin and the River Arle and the Upper Test and again the Anton in central Andover but of course people do need to remember that you have a much better chance of seeing them if you're out and about by the rivers at dusk or dawn. So some of the fish you might see in the rivers. Obviously, there's the Atlantic salmon, which you would see on our main rivers, such as the Test and the Itchin. Unfortunately, their populations are really in crisis at the moment, having declined by 70% in the last 25 years. And the numbers have actually particularly crashed in the River Itchin. There is an environment agency-led project at the moment looking at what actions we can all take to reverse the decline, but it is a very complex issue. Possible reasons for the decline include things like climate change, intensive land management, 
unsympathetic river management, water quality, abstraction, in-stream obstruction. So as you can see, it's it's a real range of things which makes it quite a complex issue to deal with and something that, you know, lots of people need to get involved in solving. The other fish that you see most commonly on our chalk streams is the brown trout. It's much smaller than the salmon, but, uh, you know, it, it is fairly common, so you can see it, a lot of them around. It's a sort of golden brown, and it has dark reddish sort of spots with pale borders on its back and its sides. It's quite distinctive, and quite often through the winter months, so sort of like beginning of December, you can actually see them spawning in the rivers. So you can see the female actually sort of flapping at the gravels on the bottom of the rivers to make what's called its red, which is a little sort of like depression in the gravels where they lay their eggs. So yeah, that's something, something really special to look out for over the winter months. Other wildlife, you can see we still have the white-clawed crayfish in some of our chalk streams. It is the UK's only native freshwater crayfish. And it has been really under threat because of the invasive signal crayfish, which again was brought over from America to the UK for food. But it's really quickly taken over our waterways. Unfortunately, signal crayfish carry the crayfish plague, which our native crayfish do not have resistance to. So they suffer really badly from it. This has really decimated our crayfish populations over the last 30 years. Again, they've declined about 70% since the 1970s. In Hampshire now, the white clawed crayfish can only be found on a few of our chalk streams. Some of my colleagues in the Wildlife Trust are working hard to bolster their populations. They're carrying out lots of habitat improvement work and are actually doing captive breeding of crayfish to get the numbers up and then are releasing them into the streams with known populations of white-clawed crayfish to try and, you know, just bolster those populations and hopefully allow them to spread out a bit more than they are currently. Other more sort of common things to see, the kingfisher is really widespread throughout all of our rivers. Obviously, sometimes can be quite difficult to see. You oftentimes just see a little flash of blue going past. They can be seen on most of our local chalk streams. Even in busier places like Winnell Moors Nature Reserve in central Winchester. Actually, last time I was there, I had a really great view of uh, kingfisher fishing and catching a fish, which was brilliant. You can often see kingfishers, uh, hear kingfishers before you see them. If you listen for their call, you can then often work out their whereabouts. They have quite a distinctive call. So it's worth Googling and listening to that in advance <laughs> and then listening out for it while you're out by the river. And one of my other sort of like favourite groups of, I suppose, species on the rivers are invertebrates. They're often the unseen but also very important creatures within our rivers. They're a massively important food source for fish and birds and mammals. So their presence directly impacts all of the other wildlife populations on the rivers. And their declining numbers can also be the first sign that there's something wrong in a river as they're really sensitive to environmental pressures such as chemicals or nutrients or low flows of the water. So we have quite a lot of our volunteers doing monthly river fly surveys and also doing sort of like twice yearly what we call smart rivers invertebrate surveys, which are much more detailed, but that can then tell you the precise sort of pressures 
that that particular location is under. So they're really useful group of species to study. One of the invertebrates that most people might have seen and know about are the mayflies. There's a lot of different types of them. Their larvae live underwater. They feed on algae and plants, and then they hatch out as adults in the summer. So, you know, you have that really recognisable thing of hundreds of mayflies suddenly emerging from the river on a summer day, which is a real joy to see. I'm really glad that I'm not the only person that's a bit obsessed with the freshwater invertebrates. Um, they're a little favourite of mine. My favourite is the the caddis flies, obviously sticking all the different rocks or different types of vegetation. Obviously, each species has a preference on what it, it makes into its home, but they're very, very cool. And the fact that they can actually like do that and make these massive rock sort of buildings that they carry around with themselves. Yeah, they're, they're very ingenious. They really are. They're incredible. And actually, we do quite a lot of work with schools through our project. And caddis are always the one that the children like the best because they're just strange little creatures living in their little houses that they've built. They really love them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I haven't got past that because I still love them. So two thirds of our chalk streams are in bad condition. Why is that? Um, So for a healthy river, you kind of need three things, good water quality, good water quantity, and the good habitats. And at the moment, in most places, we aren't really getting these three things right for our rivers. Most people will be aware that our rivers are suffering from pollution. It's been in the news a lot. There's been a lot of programmes on the television and on the radio about it. And currently, um, sadly, we don't actually have any rivers in England that are being assessed as in a good, healthy condition at the moment. And that includes our chalk streams. This is for, you know, quite a number of reasons, really. We are still getting some pollution from um, our agricultural practices. So things like pesticides and fertilizers obviously go through the ground and into the aquifer and do run off and go directly into the rivers as well. And although farmers are generally using a lot less chemicals than they did, say, 30 years ago, it takes a really long time for things like phosphates to filter through the chalk aquifers and into our rivers. So now we are still finding chemicals in the rivers that were banned decades ago, but are just working their way through the system. So, you know, it is going to be a really long haul of trying to get our rivers into a much better condition than they are now because of some of the decisions we made, you know, maybe 30 or 40 years ago. The other big one that's been in the news, obviously, has been the sewage spills, which is something, you know, that is still under discussion in many ways. I think in 2022, there was something like more than 4,000 sewage spills recorded across Hampshire and the Isle of Wight alone, which is a massive amount. And the additional nutrients that those sewage spills put into the rivers causes what we call eutrophication, which means that algae grows really well in those conditions. You've got oxygen levels dropping because of that. The algae smothers a lot of the plants and the gravels, and it then has a really detrimental effect, particularly on the the lovely invertebrates that we were talking about and we all love. They are one of the first to be affected by this. And obviously, because they are a food source for all of those other species that we've mentioned, they do have a really big impact on the food chain and what's going on in those rivers. 
The final big issue, I suppose, is water abstraction. Lack of water in our rivers is a major issue. We saw this last summer, particularly when we had the real sort of like drought going on. We hadn't had rain for months in southern England, and that caused our river levels to drop a lot. Obviously, in Hampshire, particularly, water companies abstract a lot of water from our rivers to provide water for us all. We all need it, obviously, but it does mean that our chalk streams are suffering when we are taking that amount of water out and we're not getting it back in the rainfall at the same time. All of this can cause water temperatures to rise in the rivers and this can result in less oxygen being available for that aquatic wildlife that lives in the rivers. So, yeah, all in all, we really all need to be trying to do more to look after our rivers, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The Wildlife Trust and Hampshire Countryside Service are doing lots to support and preserve the wildlife living here. Could you tell us about some of the projects you've been working on? Through Watercress and Winterbournes, the scheme that I work on, we've been working with lots of landowners to improve their stretches of chalk streams. So on the upper test, for instance, we've been working with a landowner there that had a very over-widened bit of river, which had resulted in a really big build-up of sediment, um, which means it's then not very good for wildlife. So what we've been doing up there is putting woody materials into the river, and this narrows the channels, so it increases the flow through through that part of the river and then that clears out the sediment there and washes it sort of like downstream even just weeks after the works the sediment was had mostly cleared and the clear gravels that you expect to see in a chalk stream were there which was great and that winter we actually saw evidence that trout were spawning in that area again which is a really great result and what we're looking for really we've been doing similar projects to that on the Cheriton stream and the Bourne rivulet and the Peel Hill brook And we have even more planned for this year and next as well. So we are sort of like trying to get around and do what work we can with landowners where they're happy to work with us. And one of the other big issues we've been trying to address on the rivers is the amount of sediment in them. In Cheriton, for instance, they do have quite a big sediment issue there. We've been working on trying to reduce the amount of sediment washing down into the stream from fields and roads. And working with the community and the parish council, we've installed um, a sediment trap running, sort of catches the sediment running down one particular lane. That then is emptied regularly by members of the Cheriton Conservation Group who are doing a really great job in um, keeping an eye on what's happening with their river and sort of like talking to us when they see different sediment pathways and sediment build up in their stream. Most of the river would be under private land ownership. There's not much of the river that's within the Wildlife Trust or Countryside Service, for instance, land ownership. So partnership working must be a, a massive part of being able to make th- you know make these improvements. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, as the Wildlife Trust, we own, you know, very little of the river. So we do work with a really wide range of partners to make these improvements happen. And that can include sort of like private, a lot of private landowners that we work with, but also a lot of parish councils and borough councils. It's a whole range, really. And it, and I think, you know, in order to improve our rivers, it's really important that we do engage with all of those different groups because, you know, everybody can play a part in improving their particular stretch of the river. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I know with the countryside service, so my team, for instance, we're responsible for access. So we're dealing with rights away, which again are on private land, but a lot of them we have bridges and we have footpaths that are by the river. So when we're doing sort of revetment work to, to bolster the side of the river to stop things falling in, instead of taking a concrete blocks or, or that type of approach, we make sure that we're putting in those kind of nature, those natural revetment works so that it can build up and you you increase habitat rather than just removing it or keeping it the same. Yeah, so that's great and really important for species like the water mammals who obviously rely on having those river banks to be able to make their burrows into. So all of those hard revetments that you mention, you know, can be really detrimental to water voles because they obviously then don't have access to those sort of stretches of the bank. So yes, the work that you're doing is really important there. So what can the public do to help? So many things really that people can get involved with. I think some of the most obvious ones are things around if you are a dog owner and they've recently been treated for ticks or fleas, then please don't let them into the water for a while, you know, for a few weeks after that, because that chemical does wash off into the water and has been found in in rivers before. And similarly with dogs in the water, it's good to keep them out at those times between December and February each year if you can because that is the time when trout and salmon are spawning. It's great to try and, you know, leave them the time and not disturb them when they're going through that sort of spawning cycle. And obviously, if there are places where you know there's things like water voles living, then again, good to try and not disturb those, either with people going into the water or dogs going into the water. We have a lot of community groups that are out picking up litter while they're around and things like that are really great as well. And if you are somebody that really enjoys feeding the ducks, and I know a lot of people really do, then it's really great to sort of like feed them with something like grain or peas or sweet corn, something like that instead, rather than bread, because it is it's much better both for the ducks, but the other organisms, you know, in the river as well. Obviously, there's other disturbance issues to do with kayaking and paddle boarding and swimming, all of those things. And there is a lot of guidance that's available to people out there. So we have quite a lot on our website, but there is also a lot on the BirdAware Solent website that people can go and find. Um, and we'll give you all of the things to look out for and the things to be aware for and just makes it a more pleasurable experience for everybody then, I think. Yeah, absolutely. There's also steps that we can take in our, our daily lives, which will make a difference to improving the health of our rivers. What can the public do to help on this front? So we talked a little bit about water abstraction being one of the issues for our rivers, particularly in years like last year when we had very low rainfall. So one of the things we can all do at home is try not to use more water than we need to. I think the average UK resident uses about 150 litres of water per day, which is still quite high. But if you look at really small things that you can do at home. So for instance, if you've got a dripping tap, that actually wastes probably more than 5,000 litres of water over a year. So actually can build up to be a really huge amount. And doing things like using a hose or a sprinkler can easily use 1,000 litres in just one hour, which is basically your four days worth of 
water amount in just one hour used watering your lawn. So I so I think things like um, just being aware of the water you're using, cutting it down where you can and maybe saving water. So for instance, I will often use the water I've used for washing up in the summer and just go and tip it onto my plants outside because that's actually a really good thing to do. And the same with things like if you cook your vegetables in water, that water actually is really full of nutrients. So it's really great to put on your plants outside because it really feeds them at the same time as well, which is a good thing. And just be aware when you're out in your garden about maybe having water butts to collect the water and using a watering can rather than a hose. Or if you are using a hose, fit a hose gun so that you're not wasting the water in between times. There's all sorts of things that you can do. I'm on a bit of a mission to reduce the number of pots in my garden now to try and cut down on any watering altogether, really. And I certainly leave my lawn a bit longer now and I don't worry if it goes brown because I know it will green up as soon as it rains. So it's all those type of things, really. And just being a bit aware that water is a limited resource and all of the water that we use does have an impact on our local rivers so if we can all take the steps to save a little bit then that's going to help the rivers a lot. Thank you Catherine for your time with us today. Is there anything you'd like to add before we end our podcast? I just really encourage everyone to spend some time just sitting and watching the wildlife at one of our lovely chalk streams. You know, it's such a great thing to do. And it's really sort of like helps with, you know, your mental state of mind, I think. And we're so lucky to have some of the greatest rivers here in Hampshire that I think we just don't always appreciate them. So uh, do go out and try and uh, spend a bit of time with them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. They're a really, really nice place to go and just have a bit of, a bit of time, like you say, to relax after a difficult day. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave us a review. This helps other people find us. And if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, do get in touch. Thanks for listening to Looking After Nature. See you next time.